0: Why start the new year with a topic like Sabbath, right? Because when you think about the new year, we think about new resolutions, new goals, new to-do lists, new hustles, new habits. And most people are thinking about all the things that they want to accomplish in the year 2023. So why talk about rest? Why talk about stopping work, slowing down? Why kick off the new year with Sabbath? And as I was praying into this new year, the felt the, the question I felt like God was asking is 99, do you really want to go through another year overworked, tired, hurried, burned out, running on empty? And I, I wanted to say no, but I think The truth is most of us, we can't help ourselves. Our culture dictates a pace that our souls are not able to keep up with because those new resolutions, those new goals, those new habits cannot be sustained when we're living out of tiredness, out of weariness, out of hurry. So I felt like God saying, I want your community to focus on this ancient practice called Sabbath to slow yourselves down, to establish a rhythm of rest that will sustain all the blessings and delight that I have for you in the new year. Does that sound good? So 99, this year, we are not going to be burned out. We are not going to overwork ourselves. We are going to live in the rhythm of rest. But the truth is, I think most of the time, we are so tired. Like I I think I I shared this when I was preaching at a church down in SoCal in December, but I was telling them when our people walk in the morning, thank God for our coffee team because your faces tell the story of your entire week. Y'all are tired. Y'all are exhausted. Y'all are overworked. But thank God the coffee team is here for us and blessing us and uplifting our spirits. But in general, we are generally so, so tired. And part of this is simply physical. Did you know that just a few decades ago, the average amount of time that the person slept each night was 10 to 11 hours. Now the average here in the West, do you know how long it is? Six hours. Medical experts say you need at least eight hours to be a fully functioning, thriving human being throughout the day. And most of us are sleeping six hours or less. We are literally not getting enough sleep or rest, but it's more than just our bodies that are tired. And maybe you resonate with me here, but our souls are tired too. Right, the busy pace of the modern life, the constant noise of social media, the never-ending work and hustle culture, dating app culture. I never experienced this, but I hear dating app culture is exhausting. The polarization of the news, systemic injustices. We remember in 2020, right? This is proven. We were at home getting more physical rest than we ever did before. But because of the state of the world around us, because of police brutality, because of injustice. Because of the the um, the pandemic, everything that we're experiencing, our souls were completely exhausted. So we are just tired physically, emotionally. Our souls are exhausted. And why does this matter? Because the more exhausted that we are, the less we are able to experience what Jesus promises us life and life to the full. One of my favorite movies in 2021 was a movie called Dune. Have you guys seen it? And um, I heard critics loved it. All my friends loved it. So I went to the theaters to go watch Dune. I love me a little bit of Timothy Chalamet. I love Oscar Isaac. I love this director. And so I was watching this movie. And 10 minutes in, you know what happened? I fell asleep. I know. And it's a big action film. Like, there's a lot going on. I was watching in Dolby. And so it was really loud. But I could sleep through anything. I fell asleep during my high school graduation. I fell asleep everywhere. But I just fell asleep. And then 10 minutes before the movie ended, I woke up. And last 10 minutes, it felt like the middle of the movie because they're making a part two. And I was like, this is amazing. I left the theater. And I was thinking, was the movie just whatevs? Or was I just too tired to enjoy it? Well, a few weeks later, I rewatched the film. And I was like, this is amazing. It's a really good movie. How could I sleep through such a masterpiece? I was too tired. I was talking to someone last year. My favorite movie of 2022 was everything everywhere all at once. And someone in this church who I will not name said they actually fell asleep during the movie. And I said, how dare you? That is an injustice. That is wrong. But. There is a sense that even though there is beauty around us, even though there is goodness right before our very eyes, if we are tired, we are unable to experience or enjoy it. In other words, tiredness dulls our experience of God's beauty and goodness all around us. And maybe some of us, we don't see God moving in our lives. Maybe some of us do not see the beauty and the goodness of God around us because we're simply too tired to perceive it. The more tired we are, the less we're able to experience the life that Jesus promises us. And I think it's characterized the most in the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We're not able to experience love or joy or peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these beautiful gifts that God longs to give us, we're unable to delight in them when we are too tired. I don't know about you, but I am often my worst self when I am tired. And I think that's true for most of us, but there is good news. God offers us an invitation to those who are tired and weary and burnt out. I think we read this passage like three times every year because we are just a tired people. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Y'all know I love the message, the MSG version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. God invites us into rest with the gift of Sabbath. Now, what is Sabbath? The word Sabbath in Hebrew is Shabbat. Everyone say Shabbat, which literally means to stop. But we see that there are also other translations for that word Shabbat. It can mean to stop, but it can also mean to rest. And it can also mean to delight. And that's not all. It can also mean to worship. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to focus on these four rhythms of Sabbath. Stop, rest, delight, and worship. Stop, rest, delight, and worship and the goal is that as we practice the ancient rhythm of sabbath that we will begin experiencing the life that jesus promised us y'all excited for that i am so excited so today we're going to stop with the first rhythm stop why don't we pray lord some of us cannot stop like we cannot help ourselves We're always hustling. We're always working. We're always on the clock. We're always thinking about what's next. We're always listening and absorbing. But Lord, there is beauty when we learn to stop, to cease our work, to cease our striving. And so today I pray that as we dive deeper into the rhythm of Sabbath, that you will unlock life inside of our hearts. We love you in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. We're going to go to Genesis two, one through three. This is what it says. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the working of creating that he had done. I want you to think about this for a second. God Sabbath. God stopped his work. You might be saying, yeah, Sabbath sounds great, but my job is so demanding. You don't know how much my boss expects of me. Yes, but God stopped. You might be saying, yeah, but Pastor Mickey, I'm an Enneagram type three. I always need to be achieving, always need to be getting stuff done. But no, God, Sabbath, he stopped. Trust me, I'm willing to bet that you and I are not busier than God. Yet, God, Sabbath. See, we have this image, and I think we, we do a disservice when we're always saying, God, you never stop working. You're always moving. You're always working. And I think to a degree that's true, but also to a degree We forget the image of a God who stopped all of his work, rested and delighted. God, as busy as he was in creating all of the universe, he sets aside a day to stop his work. And in doing so, he models for us. He built in a rhythm into the fabric of creation, a rhythm that helps us live and come alive. We work for six days and we rest for one. We work for six days and we stop for one. We work for six days and we Sabbath for one a little bit of history. The last time a serious attempt was made to change the seven-day week was actually during the French Revolution in 1793. They made the seven-day week into a 10-day week, right? Some of y'all thinking that sounds like hell. And you know what they found? That as they changed the work week from seven weeks to 10 or seven days to 10 days, you know what they found? They found that productivity actually plummeted. They found there was an increase in suicides and also an increase in mental illnesses. It was an outright disaster. And even though our government isn't changing our seven-day week to a 10-day week, I believe in some sense we are reliving the spirit of the French Revolution. We live in a culture that values productivity over well-being. Some of y'all hear this, but your company does not care about you. I'm going to just be real with you. You may have managers, great managers and coworkers that really look out for you and care for you. But your company, the bottom line for you, for them is that you are making them money, that you are producing something for them that elevates them. Our companies don't care about us. yet. think about this. We serve them more faithfully with our time and with our energy than we do about a God who actually does care about us. When we get to the end of our lives and we actually map out how, much, how many hours we devoted to our companies, to our jobs, to our work, it's staggering how much more than everything else we have devoted our hearts to. See, we don't know how to stop. We don't know how to stop checking our work emails after hours. We don't know how to stop thinking about the next project at work. We don't know how to stop listening to the noise of social media and entertainment. We don't know how to stop running errands and doing chores and budgeting. We don't know how to stop shopping and wanting more and more. Even when we're on vacation, when we're off the clock, when it's the weekend, we don't know how to stop. I'm talking with a friend and we're trying to plan a trip to Disneyland this year. And he goes, Tell me, I just um, I just have so much work that month that I'm just gonna bring my laptop when we go to Disneyland. I'm saying, first of all, how dare you? That's not something you do. You are ruining the sacredness of the happiest place on earth. But it just speaks to the culture we live in. I don't fault him. It's just the culture of our day and age. Your company is not gonna set the boundaries for you, for you to to thrive and be well. We have to set those boundaries in our lives. And one of the ways we do that is. Through Sabbath. When you get to the end of your life, I guarantee you 100% I'll guarantee you the million dollars that I do not have that your deepest regret won't be that you didn't work more. I'll, I'll bet that your deepest regrets might be that I, I wish I had made more time for the things that actually mattered. They actually did a study on this and they found, as they interviewed people in their older age, they found that the most common regret that people had at the end of their lives was that they wished they had invested more in relationships and less in career. It's proven. Some of you, you haven't stopped since college. Some of you haven't stopped for weeks. Some of you haven't stopped for months or for years, and your bodies and your souls are paying the price. But there is a sacred rhythm that God invites us into. We work for six days and we stop for one. And this ain't no carryover system where, like, you know, I'll work for, like, I'll work for 12 days and then I'll rest for two. Or, like, I'll work for, what's the next one, 18 days and then I'll rest for three. No, six, one. More realistically, I think for us, it's like I'll work for eight months nonstop and then I'll vacation and rage for a week, right? But no, the sacred rhythm, we work for six days and we rest for one. When we go against this rhythm, we go against our creative design. We burn out. We stress. Our immune system is weakened. Our brain is fogged. We have frayed relationships. We feel distance from God. And breaks and vacations don't become about delight. They become about catching up right? When we stop working, it becomes about catching up and recalibrating myself so I could jump back into the grind. There was a medical study that was done on a large community of Christians in Canada. Canadians are the best, right? Um, And they, they studied this group of Christians who practiced the Sabbath really seriously. And check this out. The study found that not only were these Canadians much happier, but that they lived 11 years longer than the average person. Isn't that crazy? They literally lived longer. One doctor pointed out that if you add up all the time devoted to Sabbath over a lifespan, right, one-seventh of your life, it adds up to about 11 years. So they're saying he theorized that for every day you Sabbath, It's as if you're adding a day back to your life. There is life as we Sabbath. For the Israelites, it was so important that God even commanded it. If we go to Exodus 28 through 11, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God on it. You shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You're wondering, Pastor Mickey, but is it still a command like, does God require me to do Sabbath? And to that I say, it's not really an important question to ask. Because even if the Sabbath command is no longer binding, it still stands as wisdom. That is, even if it was unanimously, unanimously interpreted by scholars and theologians that Sabbath was no longer a commanding, uh, binding command. I would still practice Sabbath each week. Why? Because it's still wisdom. It brings life. It recalibrates our soul. It helps us slow down. It's a gift from God to be enjoyed. John Mark Comer, I love how he puts it. And a lot of this is adapted from um, his new organization called Practicing the Way. But he says this, Sabbath is a day of rest by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in all of our life. In other words, Sabbath is more than just a day. It's a way of being in our world. It's not about catching up on rest for a day. It's about cultivating a rhythm of rest for our entire lives. One of my favorite theologians, Walter Brueggemann, he says, people who Sabbath live all seven days differently. It's a day of rest that cultivates a spirit of restfulness all week long from restfulness From restlessness to restfulness, from hurry to margin, from burnout to sustainable pace, from noise to quiet, from chaos to clarity, from grasping to gratitude, from anxiety to peace, from control to trust. Doesn't that sound good? Sabbath is a gift that God gives us so that we can cultivate a life of restfulness. But here's the thing Sabbath is a gift. But it's a gift that can only be enjoyed when it's used. You know, um, I can never be a good collector. Like, I have a lot of friends that are sneakerheads. And I just cannot for the life of me understand why you would keep all those beautiful shoes in their boxes, never taking them out, never wearing them. For me, I'd want to just rip them all out and wear them. I don't care how expensive they are. For me, um, there was a time when I was really young where McDonald's was doing this promotional thing and they gave out happy meal toys and it was for toy story. I I think it ages me a little bit, but there was like eight collectible toy story toys. And I remember my friend not really knowing anything about life. I mean, we were little kids. He said, Hey, we should collect them. And they're going to be worth millions one day. I'm like, yeah, of course. That sounds about right. And so I remember going to McDonald's for a month straight, trying to get every single toy. I kept getting the slinky dog every single time. But I kept going back persistently. Finally, I had all eight packaged, unopened, in pristine condition. And I set them aside. And I could not help myself. One week later, I busted all of them out. I played with them. I just cannot leave them. It does not make sense to me. When we do not open the gifts that are given to us in the same way, Sabbath is a gift that cannot be enjoyed, that cannot be experienced unless it is actually practiced. Unless we try it. This is why Paul says to work out your salvation. He doesn't say work for your salvation. It's not something we work to earn. But he says you have to work it out. In other words, there's something about faith. There are benefits of faith that can only be accessed when we live it out, when we do something. I find that our generation, we're more addicted to insight about change than the actual work of change itself, aren't we? Like, we're always bookmarking Instagram posts, highlighting quotes. But how many of you have ever, like, you know, you highlighted something like, oh, this is so good. This is life-changing. Oh, it's speaking to my soul. And you don't do a single thing about it. Come on, we've been there so many times. I have, I have pages of notes of things that I have not done, but they're good revelation. They're good tweets. They're good Instagram posts. They're good shares. We are more addicted to insight about change than actually doing the, the work that it takes to change. Hear me, church. Information alone won't transform us. If you leave here today and you have, like, one good line about Sabbath, like, oh, my God people who Sabbath live all seven days differently. Hell yeah. And you walk out of here and you don't Sabbath, nothing's changed. Information doesn't transform us. That's why scripture tells us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And so in this way, Sabbath is more than just a good idea. It's more than just a good sermon series. It's more than just a good line. It's a practice that needs to be acted upon. But also, It must be practiced consistently. Some of you are going to try Sabbath this week after this teaching, and it's going to suck. It's going to feel awkward. The whole time, you're going to be thinking, I got to check my email, or I got to do this or that. It's going to be hard, but it's something as we consistently practice six days of work, one day of rest, we begin to see the fruits born in our lives. I learned this the hard way. I did ministry for three years, not honoring the Sabbath in my life. But when I began doing it consistently, at first it was awkward. It's like right now, Zion is learning how to run and he sucks. He falls maybe like 20 times a day, no lie. And every day he's awkwardly trying to figure it out. But the more and more he does it, the stronger he gets, the more confident he is in the same way as begin, begin to practice Sabbath, stick with it. And so today, um, very practical teaching. I have homework for you. And it's this three things I want to invite you into. Number one, pick a time to Sabbath this week and give it a shot, give it a try. There are three uh, models that are suggested the first is the Christian Sabbath. Uh, for most of us, which will be on a Sunday for me. Sunday is not Sabbath. This is not rest for me. Um, I have to preach, lead worship. That is not Sabbath for me. But for mo- most of us, Sunday becomes our day of rest. And maybe if you are practicing the Christian Sabbath, worship together in community begins like it it's kicks off our Sabbath for the day. The second is a traditional Sabbath, which is from Friday evening to Saturday evening. And so we start on Friday night, we end on Saturday night. Maybe some of you want to try that. And for those with non traditional work schedules, you could try a midweek Sabbath. Now, if you can't devote 24 hours to Sabbath, try 12 hours or try three hours. Just set aside something concrete every single week that I No matter what happens, I am going to honor this time to stop work, to just cease everything, stop working, stop answering emails, stop doing chores, stop running errands, stop grocery shopping. Sabbath is not a catch-up day for our personal life. It's a day where we stop all work. Why? Because in our stopping, we're confessing, I can't do it all, and I'm not meant to. In our stopping, we declare that God, you are God, and I am not. Now, I'm going to speak more on this next week, but what if we just can't? Like, what about the single mothers that have to work two or three jobs? What about the people that literally have no time in their week to rest? I'm going to talk about that next week, a little spoiler. So you have to come next week to hear the answer to that. But I would bet that for the most of us, We simply need to be more intentional about crafting out that space to rest and to Sabbath. And so the first, pick a time to Sabbath and give it a try. The second, pick a beginning and ending ritual. I've actually never done this, so this is my first time doing this as well. In a traditional Sabbath ceremony called Kiddush, you actually begin Sabbath by lighting the candles. And as you light the candles, you could begin by praying or eating a meal around community. And then when you end Sabbath, you actually blow out the candles. And it's a sign when you're going throughout the day in your house and you see those candles lit, you're reminded that I am to stop and to rest and to delight and to worship on this day. And so whether it's candles for you, whether it's Sunday worship on Sunday, whatever it might be, set a beginning and ending ritual as you enter into Sabbath. And last, I want you to pick one to three Sabbath activities that you engage in. And there are 12 from the tradition of the church that we can suggest. One is lighting candles, blessing children, eating a Sabbath meal, practicing gratitude, singing, worshiping with your community, walking, napping, making love to your spouse, reading, Spending time alone with God, spending time with family and friends. And so engage in some sort of Sabbath activity that helps you enter into rest and delight. So church, a very practical message. Do you really want to go through another year overworked, tired, hurried, running on empty? Or do we want to tap into the rhythm of rest that God invites us into as we enter into this new year? so right now, um, I want to invite us into a time of response. Why don't we close our eyes? I do believe that for many of us, um, this sounds like a good message for many of us. We've tried Sabbath before, maybe for some of you, this is your first time hearing about Sabbath. The first thing I want to say is God specifically says that Sabbath was not made for us. We were made for Sabbath. In other words, Don't get so bogged up in the details of Sabbath. Don't get so wrapped up in how it's supposed to be done and what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. But make it work for you. It's a gift that God gives us to be enjoyed. And so this week, what can we do practically to practice this ancient rhythm? Not just to hear about it on Sunday and come back next Sunday and say, yeah, that was good. No, what can we actually do this week to practice the Sabbath? Right now, I just want you to plan with God. One of my favorite things to do when Chris and I are getting ready for vacation is we we dream about the things that we want to do, where we want to eat, who we want to see. And there's something really fun about planning our day, planning our vacation, planning our time of enjoyment and rest together. Right now, I want you to take a moment to just plan with God. God, what is my Sabbath going to look like? God, what's something that I want to do on my day of rest? God, what are some ways I want to start Sabbath and end Sabbath? God, what do I what do I want to stop and cut out during that day? Right now, just begin planning with God. Begin dreaming with God about what this day could look like. And there's many things that we're going to talk more about, about what actually is rest, how God calls us to delight and worship on this day. But, but I believe we can't do any of that if we first don't learn how to stop. So right now, just begin planning and dreaming with God about what this day could look like. Just take a moment to do that.